You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How's it going? And welcome to the Drinks with Johnny podcast. Thanks for being here with me today as I had the pleasure of sitting down with Brody King of All Elite Wrestling and the band God's Hate. Brody is probably best known for his wrestling, but the band God's Hate is this hardcore band. It really brings me back to bands like 18 Visions, uh, Throwdown, and of course, uh, Hate Breed. Uh, and it's a, it's a great band. Uh, it really is. Um, he, he just got a little bit of viral attention a couple months ago uh, from a post of him doing a stage dive. And Daniel Tosh of Tosh.0 uh, fame uh, had something to say about it. Uh, he responded. It was, it was really fun. We talked a little bit about that. We also, of course, talked about All Elite Wrestling, where he is with the House of Black, with Malachi Black and uh, Buddy Matthews. They were in a trios tournament. Unfortunately... They just lost to the Dark Order on Friday night's Rampage, uh, but there's going to be some more stuff going on with them. They've got something, I'm sure, going into AEW's all-out pay-per-view. That's coming September the 4th. That's this coming Sunday. We're going to be talking about that, and of course, I'll have my follow-up with Brody later on in the week, probably after Wednesday night's Dynamite, to see what's going on and uh, where they're going to fit into the pay-per-view, because it looks like they got something going on with Sting and Darby and Miro. Um, if you're not a, a a normal fan of AEW's wrestling, make sure you go check that out. Um, is there's some really cool shit happening with uh, Brody, the House of Black, and everything he's doing over there. We get into all those things and back to his hardcore roots uh, from Palmdale, California. Uh, it was really small world. As we we're chatting, he uh, told me a little bit of a story of. A concert that he went to as a young kid for Avenged Sevenfold in Lancaster and uh, it's just really funny to me because that's a show for whatever reason I remember very well it was early in my career with the band and uh, we played this hotel I mean he describes it a little bit better uh, uh, but it was it was really wild to uh, you know connect with this guy later in life talk about kids and family and lo and behold, he was there at a very memorable concert that uh, that we played and uh, I was a part of. 
Uh, we, we talked about all that so much more. It was a great chat. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Uh, we'll be doing our follow-up chat with Brody, of course, later on. So uh, without further ado, here's this chat with Brody King of All Elite Wrestling. We're good to go. All right, killer, man. Hey, well, thanks for being here, man. I know you're uh, you're really busy this week, and uh, it's it's awesome to uh, talk to you and uh, hopefully get to know you a little bit uh, here tonight. Hell yeah. <laughs> First of all, I just got to ask about this background right away. I got a couple of clowns <laughs> and, so, and a, what is that, a wolf head? And is that a, a lamb or goat head over here? What, what, like, what do you got? What, what's going on here? It's a coyote and a sheep. Coyote yeah, and a sheep. Okay. Obviously, yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't pass uh, that that uh, class in school. So, <laughs> one of my friends painted this, and then I found this at a vintage store. It's like an old like circus trash can lid. Oh, it's a trash can. I wasn't sure if it looks like either that or like a mini golf thing, or possibly some bizarre drive-through that you that you would that you would have to see yeah it's just uh <laughs> just weird and creepy and it's a, his name's clyde it says clyde across the top of his head right on right on <laughs> so i know when we were texting earlier today you just uh purchased a car today you were busy purchasing a car can you tell me what kind of car it was and why today what what was, what was the what was the occasion i got a bmw x7 oh. uh yeah yeah i don't know it was like a my, the fanciest car that I've ever bought. Um, the the family car that I have was a suburban Chevy Suburban, and yeah. it was just t- time to let it go. So I went big with the new purchase. Now the X7, that's the seven seater BMW, right? It's yeah, it's the biggest model that they have now. I guess they've only made it for like two or three years. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've never I've never been inside of one yet. Were, were, were you pretty uh, pretty happy with your purchase? Yeah, I mean, go, going from a Suburban to that, it's like, you know, driving a school bus to like a normal SUV, but the it was, the Suburban was just too big. Like, it's too hard. It feels like a boat, like, yeah. trying to steer around. <laughs> I've been inside those Suburbans, though. They're, they're nice, though, man. Like, especially, what year was your Suburban? 2019. So, it wasn't that old, but. Yeah. No, yeah, they, they, are, they are nice. Uh, they're just too big. My wife didn't like driving it, so. Okay. You did say it was a family wagon. So, uh, you got a wife, you got some kids. Yeah, I got two kids. I have, uh, my daughter will be two on Monday and my son is three and a half. Oh, wow. Right next to each other. And at that toddler age. Yep. (laughs) I don't envy you right now. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? I got one son. He's, uh, he's five and a half. He's, uh, in a couple weeks, he'll be starting kindergarten here. So, uh, over that oh, nice. toddler hump. I mean, he's still still a pain in the ass, but a different kind. As you know, each each uh, uh, leap forward that they tend to have, it gets a little easier in some ways and a little harder in others. You know, so it's uh, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> son is uh, he has like a big personality right now, and he thinks he's like very uh, independent and self sufficient. So like he thinks his way is always like he knows what he's doing and then you're like no Dante you can't do that he goes no you can't tell me you're like oh Ooh, already I right. love it. the boys already are like yeah. that man I, I love it my son does the same shit to me and I'm just like I'm just trying to help you out here man like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've made a few mistakes on my own you know yeah exactly learn from my mistakes I know you're gonna have to find your own along the way but learn from my mistakes <laughs> <laughs> so um how long have you been married then? Uh, five, 
five years in September, uh, but we've been together for 10. So Okay. In September what? Yeah. September 24th. Okay. My, my 10 year anniversary is coming up the 14th of September. Uh, and I'm just, at, I, I got to ask you then, cause I, I'm sitting here scrambling, man. Have you already figured out what you're getting your wife for the five year anniversary? Uh, I asked her if she wanted to go to Japan and then she was just like, yeah, no. So it was like, <laughs> it was like, she was like, well, maybe like the beginning of next year. So I was like, well, you let me know. And, and then we'll do that. So I think going to Japan is like on the docket. All right. Are you going to be doing some wrestling out there too, or you're just keeping that separate so you could uh, make this more of a vacation? Yeah, that'll be separate vacation. Hopefully I go out there and wrestle again soon, but right now that's just, you know, vacation mode, but we both, uh, that's where I proposed to my wife was in Japan. Uh, she loves Japan. So that's kind of like, you know, our spot, I guess. Hell yeah. I've, I've only been able to go out to a few different cities there, mainly the bigger ones, but I've only been out there for shows and stuff, not really for a full vacation or anything like that. You know, Tokyo, um, I'm trying to play Osaka, places like that. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what are, or something. Yeah, yeah. What are, what are some of your favorite spots in Japan? Just so maybe next time I get out there, I can uh, check them out. Uh, the low-key spots, like Kyoto is incredible. That's like where you're going to see a lot of... Um, temples and shrines and like there's a a giant temple that's like on a mountain that you can take this big hike around and that's actually where i proposed to my wife was this they have this spot called the love rock so okay. you like you you touch a rock and then you close your eyes and you walk this path like it's like a i don't know maybe 25 feet and then you're supposed to touch the other rock and open your eyes and like make a wish or whatever so she like touched the rock, walked the path, and then when she opened her eyes, I proposed to her. You know, super romantic shit. Very romantic. <laughs> the big man's got a big like, heart too, yeah. huh? Is that what I'm looking yeah. at? <laughs> There's all these little Japanese kids going, Oh, congratulations. It's like <laughs> How is it for you walking around in Japan? Because like for me it's fine. Like I'm about average height over there, but like you're you're a bigger guy, you know. I've been around bigger people in, in Japan. You get I mean even if they don't know who you are, you're kind of still a celebrity walking around there, right? Yeah, a lot, a lot of looks, uh, you know, especially being six foot five, 300 pounds and Tatted. completely covered to tat- in tattoos. Yeah, it's just like a lot of uh, a lot of weird looks. But like, it's funny because, you know, as taboo as a lot of tattoos are there, a lot of like older Japanese women would like just come up to me, like grab my arm and they're just like, oh, kawaii, like. Like, I like your tattoo. You're like, what? Like, it's very, very weird, but, I, you know, it's cool. It's, it's interesting you bring up the taboo part of, of it, too. I think the I think they've finally started to loosen up about tattoos before, but it was really tied into their uh, mafia before. I remember first few times I went over there, staying at the ANA Hotel, you go into the gym, and they're like, oh, you got to wear this to cover up your tattoos. Yeah. And they hand me, like, a jacket I had to work out in the gym and, and shit. It's the fucking worst, like, especially like when you're trying to go by the rules and they're still fucking with you. Like, uh, we would go to the gold gym in Tokyo. This is when I was on tour with New Japan. So I was there for a month and, uh, you know, eventually I just stopped going to the gym. I was just working out at the, uh, at the shows because I would, I would go in, I would have a full, um, long sleeve t-shirt on. And then I would even put wrist tape on my hands so that you couldn't see my hand tattoos. But like, you would see like this much of my hand tattoo and they would come up with their little sign and they're like oh uh no tattoo and you're just like 
Yeah, I fucking know, man. Like, obviously, I'm like <laughs> I'm trying, trying here, man. I, yeah, I don't know what to do. And, and it's like it's hard I, to work I out as a as a as a mummy. You know, it's it's fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I say that to them, and they still just point to us and they go, "Oh, no tattoo." And you're like, "All right, I'm right. done here." Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Have you ever been over to? Uh, I know you also have your band, uh, God's Hate. Have you ever uh, gone over to the rock bar, uh, the rock rock bar in uh, in Tokyo? Um, or is it Osaka? I don't remember. I don't think I've I don't think I've been. No. Okay. Well, next time you're there, find the Rock Rock Bar. Amazing place. It's like this little small rock bar. They have like they play a bunch of rock, heavy music and shit. But like everybody goes through there. Like I remember the first couple times I was there. Uh, a bunch of other bands that we knew from the from the festivals would end up there. Um, Fucking, I think at some point Dave Mustaine was like, they had like a little green room set up for like bigger oh, rock barns and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a wild place. <laughs> well, there, there, there's a, there's a, so there's a section in, in Tokyo called, uh, golden, golden guy, I think, it, but it's also, I think the other name is, um, piss alley, uh, <laughs> where it's like, it's like the highest congregation of bars in like the world. And it's like all these little tiny theme bars that are right next to each other. And one of them is called Deathmatch in Hell. And like you go in there and there's a dude standing there. He always has a Wayne's World hat on. And he has super yeah. long black hair and he yeah. speaks perfect English. And uh, they just play like death metal and play um, wrestling. And like they, just, they play wrestling and, and, and horror movies and they just play death metal the whole time. It's, yeah. it's fucking sick. It's like I've I've been straight edge forever, but like we just went there and hung out, and like there was like some Australian people there, and there a couple other Japanese people there, and it was just like just a cool place to hang out. But there's all it's like a like a little ten seater bar. Dude, I got I we'll, we're gonna stay in contact next time I get back out there. I definitely gotta check that out. That's uh, hell yeah. I just gotta check out that whole strip too. But definitely that that sounds up my alley. A little bit of wrestling, a little bit of metal, a little bit of horror. I, I fucking love it. I love it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were uh, when you were uh, touring with New Japan, did you uh, get a, a house out there, rent a place out there, or were you uh, traveling back and forth? No, they they put us up in uh, in hotels. Usually, like when we're in Tokyo, they put us up in the Tokyo Dome hotel where like the the big Ferris wheel and stuff are. Right. Um. And then and then when you're like in the country towns, we stay in little hotels out there, which kind of suck because like usually they're you know catered more towards Japanese people so the beds are really small and uh, I don't know if you experienced this, experience this while you are in Japan but some traditional Japanese hotels have like their pillows are just bags of beans so they're just like the most fucking uncomfortable thing in the world I, I, I would remember that there's a lot of things that I forget but I would remember <laughs> a bag of beans sleeping on a bag of so beans so I, I did not the, have the that be- happen to me the bed is like an inch pad on like concrete, and then they just give you this fucking bag of beans. You're like, this <laughs> sucks. Like, especially like after you've like wrestled or yeah. whatever. Like, you're just like, ugh. And that then you stand in the shower, and my head goes through the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, I, I don't have. I've lot, never had either one of those like problems, <laughs> Brody. <that's not laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about God's hate a little bit though. Right now, um, I know recently you had uh, you were posting on Twitter and stuff. You guys did a, a pretty big uh, hardcore festival. You were stoked to have like five thousand people. You put out the nice little thing uh, representing hardcore music, and then you had this. Uh, 
I guess now kind of viral photo of you doing a stage dive. And yeah. uh, uh, Daniel Tosh commented on it. And uh, <laughs> I loved yeah. your response of you don't want any of this. And uh, <laughs> yeah. tell me a little bit about that, uh, that photo we'll bring up here in, the, in post. But uh, <laughs> that, I would be terrified. I mean, as you said, 6'5", 300 pounds coming off the stage at a hardcore show. Everyone's trying to put their hands up for for a nice catch. I only saw the photo. I didn't see the video. How did that end up? It ended up fine. Yeah. Like, but listen, I've been I've been doing this shit since I was fifteen years old. It's like nothing new, which is funny that it's like a viral thing now. And yeah. it's also funny because it's like it's literally my job for a living is like diving onto people and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like you do it. I don't know. You just do it in the right environment, and then it's now a viral moment. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we did we did Sound and Fury uh, in downtown Los Angeles, and there was about five thousand people in attendance for a hardcore fest. Which, you know, you you kind of uh, skim that world a little bit in your early years, so you know Absolutely. that that's kind of a a big feat for that that type of music. Especially, uh, I would say maybe even these days in southern in Southern California. I mean, as you said, we skimmed yeah. that uh, we skimmed that early in the early on in our career, early 2000s and stuff, and uh, uh, still friends with a lot of those guys that we toured with, but uh, uh, it was seemed like it was a little bit more prevalent at that time for whatever reason. I haven't, maybe it's because I'm getting older and further removed from it, but I don't hear about it very often here in Southern California anymore, so to your point, 5,000, that's a great turnout for, for a hardcore show here. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I kind of got a little bit removed from you know, going to shows when I started wrestling and, and traveling a lot with wrestling, but I still stay pretty uh, active. And like, you know, a lot of my friends are still in bands, like playing all the time. But, uh, you know, funny story is one of the, probably the first big, like actual show I went to was, and I don't even know if you would remember this, uh, Avenged Sevenfold came out and they played in lancaster california and you played at a place called the desert Inn. this was like uh, yeah right at, are you kidding me you right were there at, yeah right after like waking <laughs> the fallen came out yeah man and like i dude, remember that shit that, show <laughs> that was yeah it's like a, it was at like a shitty old hotel in like oh the banquet my. room no way uh but that was like so that was probably 2000 and that was three yeah uh waking yeah. the fallen had just come out yeah we were man I remember that. I don't know why. Probably for several reasons. That 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 show absolutely does stand out in my in my mind. It was like, it was at the hotel ballroom, like, and they yep, set up yep. this like stage, and it was probably, I don't know, about two feet off the off the ground. Yep. Yeah, and like, uh, and literally like carpeted floor for like a ballroom, and man, everyone went apeshit at that show. I remember we like. I, <laughs> I think Zachy had his move at that time where he would turn around and fall back into the crowd and shit. And like, it was <laughs> afterward we had a, I think they gave us a, a hotel room for our green room or whatever, or for whatever, one of our friends got a hotel. It was close enough that like all of our friends came out to this show as well. Right. So that was like a home show for us. Yeah. And we tore the fuck up out of that hotel room afterward. I don't <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. Yeah, who, I, mean, I don't it, know who had to cover that fucking bill, but whoever was, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was I mean, I'm sure one. they were used to it because that that was like in like the rough part of town, like definitely, you know, drug addict or prostitute hotel. And then yeah, <laughs> there's just a bunch of bunch of high school kids like coming to watch the show there. But that was like, I remember at the time that that was the first time like a bigger metalcore hardcore band was coming to to our town, and it was like. It was a big deal and you know in palmdale lancaster area like it's it's close to la but like if you're a kid it's it's far enough to where you can't really go to shows you know in in the city so it's like whenever bands would come to us it was like well we got to show them like they want to come back and like we would like you said we would the, everyone would just go fucking insane like it was it was a show to remember i mean we're talking about almost 20 years later and uh yeah i i i remember that show pretty 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 fucking well i can't believe you were at that show what a small world man so we, <laughs> yeah i so think it was that's a, the I was a that sophomore was your, in high school sophomore in high school okay so i i was supposed to be a senior in high school at that time but i already dropped out so that was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it seemed to work out for you well you know it's debatable but uh <laughs> uh but man so that's the that's where i didn't even know where, that you grew up in that area. So tell me a little bit yep. about that. Like, I didn't know that that was no. We, we had no idea that was known to be the drug fucking hotel. That I'm learning that just right now. By the way, <laughs> I mean I, I knew what it looked like when I showed up. Yeah. But it's not like I would like. Oh, this is the drug hotel of Lancaster. Like, what, <laughs> yeah, what was? Dude, what was like, tell me a little bit more about the area you grew up in and and what that was like having. I mean, especially being in the hardcore scene as you as you talked about uh so yeah i grew up in palmdale lancaster area which is like 45 minutes um north of los angeles uh you know that's without traffic on a good day sometimes you know it's an hour and a half <laughs> but um it's a it's like the small suburb like more affordable place to live in in los angeles in the desert but uh there's not much going on and either you at least when I was in high school, you were either drinking and, and doing drugs uh, on the weekends or you were going to shows. And um, I kind of got hooked into going to shows early on. Like I started going into punk shows in like junior high. Uh, I think like the first show I went to was like Guttermouth played at a, at a gig out there. And like the casualties played a couple of times. And oh, cool. um, so that got me to kind of like start going to local shows. And then, um, when I got into high school, I started going to like metalcore shows and like metal shows. And, uh, we had two venues. One was the desert Inn that you guys played at. And then that closed down after a while. But then the other one we had was a place called the El Dorado, which was like this Mexican restaurant, um, not too far from the desert Inn actually. And I remember, I think it might've been the same year, uh, at least a couple months apart, a tray you played shortly after that show that you guys played and it was like after those shows it felt like a lot more promoters and like booking agents were sending bands to us because they would hear like this place is fucking crazy like it, yeah. it's a bunch of kids that'll buy merch and kick the shit out of each other so then it was like you know i i remember going to there was like a terror donnie brook show where there was like a riot at the el dorado and like everyone in the show got beat up and like Dude, right at the el dorado sounds like a great album title by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah right at the El Dorado. <laughs> it, it, and it's like there was always this like 
this stigma about our town where it's like, you know, it wasn't the funnest place to go as a band, but like the shows were always wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up there. Uh, and then the second I could leave, I, I got the fuck out of there and I moved to the Valley. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, so obviously music seems to be your first love. What did you, uh, find wrestling and, uh, and what was that journey like for you? Uh, I mean, I think wrestling was actually my first love. That was like okay. the thing that me and my dad did all the time. Like we watched wrestling all the time and like, you know, I wore wrestling t-shirts and had toys and everything, but you know, that was like from three to 13. And then when I got into like junior high, that's when I started getting into punk music and then metal music. And that kind of like took over everything. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, actually becoming a wrestler that didn't come into my life until my late twenties, actually. Wow. So there was a, yeah. So there was a big gap there between, between everything. Yeah. I mean, from basically from, uh, about 16 to 25, all I cared about was going to hardcore shows. Like that was pretty much my, my life was, you- uh, traveling uh being in bands and going to hardcore shows so you were in bands though at this time too between all all, the, all this time yeah i mean like nothing to like write home about we did we just play like local shows or like do little you know weekend tours or whatever um we would write some demos or whatever but i'd say it was like the first thing that like we actually put out and like right. cared about and spent a lot of time with but the, which is funny because it actually happened around the same time that I started wrestling training. Um, I was 26 turning 27. Uh, we just, uh, written the God's hate EP and, uh, my best friend, Colin, who is the drummer of God's hate. He kind of writes all the music for God's hate. He had met a old wrestler through his girlfriend. And he was like, Hey man, like if you're ever interested in like, taking some bumps or like kind of learning a couple things, like, let me know. And, you know, I know a school that will let me like kind of just come whenever he's like, yeah. So he, they went and did it. And then I was like, dude, how the fuck can I do this? I want to do that shit. Cause since I was a child, I would always say that I wanted to be a professional wrestler, but I just never knew the route to take right. to do that. And then, uh, we went to a local show in, um, Bell Gardens, California, which is, Again, not the greatest area, <laughs> uh, but uh, there was a little warehouse uh, where they would have a you know a little local show, and there was about six matches, and it was awesome. It was like kind of like going like a punk rock show uh, for a wrestling show, and I signed up for wrestling school the following Monday, so that was kind of my journey into wrestling. Dude, that's. I, I, it's interesting you bring that up though too, like not knowing like what's the route to becoming a wrestler, you know, like you just pointed it out obviously through your story there. But like, I've always, as a kid wondered that too. I, I, I've been like you, I was a wrestling fan from a very early age, probably three years as my earliest memories watching wrestling with my dad and my older brothers, obviously yep. similar to you middle school, uh, learned about punk rock metal all kind of take takes over for a little while then the attitude era brought me right back in and then i you know grew you know grew out of it again for a little while then now i'm like full-fledged again i love watching wrestling (laughs) again with my fucking son it's like it's that generational thing right it just really is like 
especially you, you got to understand too, like even if you weren't in the profession, you, you had a three-year-old son, like how cool is it to watch wrestle? It's got to, I mean, actually, as, as I'm saying it, let me talk to me a little bit about that. You're actually in the industry and your son's growing up watching it. How, how does that feel for you? Uh, it's awesome. It's like, you know, I get to be kind of my, my son's hero at times, but it's funny because it's like, uh, the first time he actually came to a live wrestling show was, uh, when I wrestled Darby Allen the first time, not the coffee match, but the first one. Okay. Uh, so my daughter and my son both got to come see me live for the first time. And my son is cheering on Darby instead of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids love Darby. I mean, my son yeah, loves Darby too, man. Well, everyone loves Darby. Darby, we love you. We love you. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Darby's, Darby is a, is a fan favorite, man, especially amongst the kids. I remember my son watched him against uh, uh, Brian Cage during like years ago, like one of the uh, pay-per-views I was watching with him. And Darby lost to Brian Cage and my son's, teared up and left the room i was like this is and a part of me is like oh son and then the other part of me is like that's awesome like that evoked that kind yeah. of emotion out of him <laughs> yeah but but it, it is like super cool like especially now like he's starting to really get it like he'll come up to me he's like dad i want to watch wrestling i'm like fuck yeah like let's, let's go. go uh but it, it's funny because i'll be like you know he knows the difference between like dad and Brody king and like you know, my, you know, Nathan Blavel. It's funny because you'll be like, Dante, what's dad's name? And he'll go, Nate. And you're like, what's dad's other name? And he'll go, Brody King. And you're <laughs> like, he like knows the personas and everything. And it's funny because um, they were at my parents' house when I had the coffin match and I was bleeding like fucking crazy. Yeah, great match. And uh, thank you. And, um, you know, afterwards he's like, he comes looking looking at my head, and I have stitches in my head. And he's just like, uh, "Dad has got boo boos," and then I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Darby did that." I'm like, "Yeah." And he's just like, oh, "Darby put Dad in timeout." I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, kinda, kinda, kind, kind." Yeah, that was was that your uh, was that your first coffin match? Have you been in yeah. other coffin matches before? No, that that was my first coffin match. Uh, you know, I was actually the first person to challenge Darby to a coffee match, though. Yeah. So that was, you know, to my detriment. But you know, I, I can I can say that I I challenged him. Yeah. No, that was that was a cool match. I mean, having Sting come out, you know, uh, very cool thing. I mean, uh, going back to uh, our childhood growing up, I think I think both of us seem to have a a bit of a similarity there in uh, uh, our early age watching wrestling. So. Um, you know, what's it like for you to uh, be working with someone like Sting? I imagine you, you saw him. Did you get to see a lot of WCW uh, when you were when you were growing up, or was it primarily uh, WWF? No, yeah, so I, I hated WCW. Like, I, I was, hated I, it. Amazing. I was, I, well, only because, like, I was diehard WWF. Like, okay. you know, I, it's funny because, you know, through all of the, the wars or whatever, like, you know, mm -hmm. people never wanted to draw a line. I... I live for conflict. So it's like, I, I always draw my line and you know, the guy on your t-shirt, the undertaker, that was my guy. And oh, like, hell yeah. he, he never left the WWF. So I wasn't leaving either. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, you know, at that time, sting was the WCW undertaker. So he was like my enemy. So, you know, right. So you were a few years removed. So for me, it was, I had the, I had surfer sting. I grew up with a little bit earlier first. 
uh, I was watching WCW when uh, Surfer Sting was going up against Ric Flair and and right. Vader and Cactus Jack, and he was he was the Hulk Hogan of the WCW, if you will. And then uh, which uh, which I hated Hulk Hogan too. <laughs> like any any like super baby face, I was yeah. just I was out. Uh, yeah, I, I got, liked I agree Taker. Yeah, Taker, Taker, obviously. I mean, was the shit. Did you watch his uh, uh, biography, uh, the A and E biography this this uh, season? I haven't yet. You know, uh, Modern Taker has kind of bummed me out a little bit. For, modern Taker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, there's there's something about you know, thanking Jesus Christ in your Hall of Fame speech. Oh just, yeah, he did. I, I didn't I didn't hear any of that. So I'm, I'm not going to mention it destroyed it all for me. I was just like, oh, "Why, man?" Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, like all was, these years I, that I was loyal to you. Yeah, well, uh, I was. Uh, I was such a fan. One, I think it was my. It was either my kindergarten or first grade year. I asked my mom to dress me up as the Undertaker for Halloween. When we Halloween, back in the day, we actually used to celebrate Halloween at schools for all you kids. And you do like a little, uh, you do like a little parade around around the campus and stuff. And I was like, I want to do the parade as the Undertaker. So I got to find that photo and share it to everybody. Hell but, yeah, uh, little little tip there. Um, so uh, so Taker was your guy. Um, as you said, you were not a big fan of the baby faces. WCW didn't like it. Yeah. Even when the NWO was over there, man. Yeah, like I don't know. I just know it just. They, if you left WWF, you were just my enemy. Now, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a strong uh, allegiance. They, I mean, I love the know, w, I preferred the WWF for years at the time. I still watched WCW because they weren't competing, and when they were competing, I I was one of those channel flippers, man. I went back and forth and just you know whichever one was keeping my attention in between commercial breaks. That's that's where I stayed, and uh, so for me it was it was a back and forth thing, but then ultimately WWE did what it did, and then. I just recently went back and watched WCW stuff from that era, though. Brody, it's so not I'm, too I'm late. Doing, you could go back I'm and do that. I'm doing that now, yeah. <laughs> like, I, w- I would say, like, as a professional wrestler, the work rate and the quality of wrestling in WCW was much better. Mm. Uh, you know, WWF had undeniable characters, though. Yeah. You know, okay. you had Stone Cold, you had The Rock, you had Undertaker, and it's like, you had the guys that were, you know, staples of wrestling and pop culture and whatever else. But, you know, you go back and you watch Dean Malenko and Chris Jericho and the whole cruiserweight like division. It's like, this is unbelievable wrestling. Yeah. This is like, you know, essentially the foundation of like AEW now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's like, it's funny because that's the stuff that I think about now as a professional wrestler. It's like, when when little Nate was watching at like you know ten years old, he didn't give a shit about like how good of a wrestler somebody was. He just wanted to see someone that looked fucking cool in their entrance. He wanted to hear Stone Cold's glass break and like march down to the ring and stomp a hole into somebody. Oh hell yeah! Uh, so <laughs> it's like it's like when when you're obsessing with like how cool a spot is or like you know how much you think a crowd will bite on this. It's like sometimes it's like the easiest shit in the world that people are going to freak out about. Yeah. So you said that you are going back though and watching the WCW stuff now, like, uh, and you said you already spoke about the, the work rate and, and, and that, like, 
I, I still feel, to your point, though, there was a lot of cool mo- underrated moments just in character development at that time, too, is with the NWO oh, and yeah. stuff. And uh, for me, I, I know uh, you already said you hated Hogan, but, man, Hollywood Hogan was something different, man. That it, was that was it, something it, cool about that. Because <laughs> it looked yeah, they, so they, bad with the shoe polish on his face. <laughs> but it was so awesome at the same time. They took the ultimate baby face and they they made him a bad guy. And like, yeah. I, I mean, I will admit firsthand that I was wrong. Like back then, like, <laughs> like you said, like working with Sting now, it's like the amount of like you know, I have a photo of me like choking Sting out, and it's the amount of my friends that like are my age that texted me. We were like, dude, when I was like twelve years old, all I cared about was Sting, and like it is insane to watch you do that now like to be wrestling sting it's and it, it's not missed on me like i the fact that i get to do these things with such an icon of the business is incredible yeah. i never thought that i would be at that moment but you know all these things that i never thought that i would do somehow end up happening man that's that's awesome it's, and you know to to sting's credit coming back into AEW, you know uh putting putting it on for there and still going out and I mean, he's still jumping off shit, and and that's sixty three. Yeah, I'm like, Ooh, that's. <laughs> I hope I'm. I hope I can pull something off like that. Sixty three. <laughs> yeah, it's like if a, if a fucking photo of me stage diving uh, at thirty five is going viral, Sting jumping off the fucking entranceway should be absolutely going viral. Yeah, absolutely. I think it probably did, but you know. Uh, to your point, though, it, it, it is amazing. It, it's absolutely incredible. What were some of what were some uh, big moments though growing up for you watching wrestling? Like, what was something that was like? What's your one of your favorite matches? Um, I don't have like a lot of like favorite. It's funny because it's like my memories of like specific matches and stuff like that are really bad, but like mm-hmm. storylines are like really good. Like the Ministry was like my favorite era of wrestling like wow. when and i don't even think it was like that long of a of a run but like when taker just had this like group of like ugly bad guys like and he's crucifying people like it's like the coolest thing very, in the, yeah in the world. it didn't last very lo- very long for the reason you just said right there when he's crucifying people yeah. <laughs> but, but then i i heard that that taker killed it himself because oh, he like really? felt like he you know, it was like sacrilegious to like uh, crucify people, but it's like, you know, when he had like the acolytes and he had viscera and he had Midian, it's like, I don't know. I always just resonated with like the weird tattooed, ugly guys. Yeah. And I guess it's, you know, kind of what I ended up becoming. Yeah. You're, you're in the house of black now. So <laughs> 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 with buddy Matthews and Malachi, I had Malachi on the show. Uh, wow. It's been like a year ago now. And, uh, reached out to him. I was I was going to meet you uh out in Vegas at some point but it, uh everyone was just busy and crossing paths there while while we were out but uh so I was hitting up uh Tommy then uh but yeah well that having Malachi come over to AEW at that time was like huge and it's and now you guys are about to go into this trios or you're in this trios tournament yep. you got a match tomorrow night on Rampage and then uh you know I just watched uh, Dynamite actually because I recorded it, and then uh, I watched it before we before we filmed here. 
and uh, he got that match was fucking insane, dude. <laughs> <laughs> trios match between uh was it the death triangle and uh united empire that was like yeah and then the spot the bucks and uh omega come out like after that i'm all i just thought i saw one of the best uh three-man tag matches and now i'm really excited to see this next one too <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like anytime like someone like pack or Phoenix or Penta or Will Ospreay or mm-hmm. Kenny Omega or like Young Bucks are in the ring separately, like it's an exciting moment. And like you know that something crazy is gonna happen. And now you put all that shit together, it's like that match against United Empire and, and Death Triangle was unreal. Some of the shit that was happening in that is like it's mind blowing. It, it defies gravity and logic and everything. And it's funny because like those guys like you can't ask them like how they do things. They just do it. Like they wow. don't have an explanation for it. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I can just do it. It's like the, the part last night that was the craziest to me was pack. So pack and Osprey are like on the buckle and then Phoenix comes over and he gets up and then he like kind of falls, but then he just like jumps from like the second to the top and then does the super Rana and will lands on his feet. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like, dude, I'm so glad that I just have to come out and punch people in the face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you're selling yourself short a little bit there, man. Cause I, I mean, yeah. it's very interesting to hear you talk about it and you're still in awe yeah. of, of your contemporaries and stuff. I think that's really cool. Cause I, I also see in the matches that you've done. I mean, recently you did that. Uh, what do you call that? That, that, that tumble into the, into the turnbuckle again, the, uh, where you where you flip oh, the cannonball the cannonball all right that's yeah. i mean that's impressive for a man your size to just be throwing yourself into <laughs> the corner like that it's also impressive for the uh the guy in the corner to take that i mean that's <laughs> i don't think there's much uh there's not there's not much uh it's just uh it's uh brace yourself heffy like that's coming <laughs> yeah i mean hey this is steve Choi, host of the musicians guild podcast part of the sound talent media podcast network Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to DrinksWithJohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. It's funny because, like, a lot of stuff, like I was saying, you know, going to shows since I was young, it's like a lot of those things, just stage diving and landing on the concrete and hitting and all these things have made me like, I don't know, more agile and more fearless than I guess I probably should have been at Mm. my size. So it's like when I started doing these things in wrestling, it's like, you know, I would take lucha classes and the trainer would be like, all right, uh, we're going to practice dives today. Um, And everyone's usually a little hesitant because most of these people have never done it. And then they're like, who wants to try it first? And it's like, yeah, I'll go. And it's like, then, and they're like, what the fuck? And I'll, I'll do it. And they're like, 
how do you know how to do that? And it's like, I don't know. I've just been doing it since I was a kid. Like, <laughs> so, uh, so you took to it really quick is what you're saying though, too. Then like, it kind of felt oh, yeah. like, wow. I mean, expe- especially in wrestling, you know, going to punk and hardcore shows, like the physicality is, you know, very real. Uh, so when it's controlled in wrestling, like, I don't know, there's a, you can't hit me hard enough. Like if it's in a safe spot, that's how mm-hmm. I feel. Like nothing is really going to phase me uh, physically because I've been punched in the mouth. I've been concussed. I've been dropped on my head, you know, for it, in real life. Yeah. Uh, so it's <laughs> like for it to happen in wrestling in like a controlled environment, it's not as bad. Yeah. It's more fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you, give, you weren't getting paid for that shit before. I thought like everyone was just like, I, I thought those crowds were so crazy in Lancaster. Someone must be paying him to go to go this. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, that brings me back to a little bit of music. God's Hey, uh, I listened to the two records, uh, that are out on from 2016. And then the one that released, uh, uh last year in 2021, one of the things I wanted to give you guys props on, two things, really. Shit's heavy as fuck. It's hardcore. The riffs are, are really good. There's a lot of great musicality to it. Uh, uh, it really does bring me back to, uh, to some hardcore days for me. And, uh, and not just straight, you know, it, it's great. with The riffs are great, and straight riffs. But then there's a lot of mel- uh, melodic guitar lines I'm hearing come into there, um, especially on the, on, the, on the latest record. And uh, I think that's awesome. And one of the main things he kept true into the hardcore scene is the uh, the quotes, the movie, the movie excerpts, the the TV show excerpts. And I was like, I have not listened to a record in a long time that like cuts into a into a good movie quote like that. I'm fucking stoked. It brought me back a little bit, man. Hell yeah, I love that. And it, you know, I I get a lot of. Uh, feedback from guys like your age or even older of, of you know hey man i haven't really like had a hardcore record grab me like that since you know i was a kid and like that means a lot to me because it's like we're just playing music that we want to hear and we grew up listening to hate breed and marauder and all that war and like all these like super heavy hardcore bands that we loved and uh you know that style kind of fell out of um popular not popularity but like i feel like you know other stuff just kind of like took over mm-hmm. and i feel like we were one of the bands that kind of were like no like hey breed is the fucking best at this shit and marauder is like literally one of the greatest bands that ever exist like people need to respect this music for what it is and you know it's simple it's it's simple at its like core but like you said when when you get those like m- melodic like guitar riffs and like it gets a little bit more technical and you know, Colin is a fucking psychopath on the drums at, at times. It's like, you know, he does blast beats in really weird places, but it works. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of technicality behind it, but at and the creativity. core, it's very, yeah, it's very like, uh, you know, simplistic and straightforward. Yeah. I, but I mean, there is a lot of creativity in, as you said, in those beats, like I, there's a lot of turnaround beats happening uh, going back and forth between just the heavy stuff. And then, so you said the blast beats and then everything in between, but, uh, the placement I did, I did notice was like, was really cool. A lot of the, a lot of, uh, unexpected turns in, in the, in the rhythms on this stuff. So I thought it was really cool to hear. So, uh, 
Mass Murder, the, the record that was recorded in 2016, um, that was a lot of Colin, and it was a collaborative piece with uh, our old guitar player, Leo, um, who used to play in bands with Colin, like Twitching Tongues and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, the the most current record, God Save the Self-Title record, um, was pretty much all Colin. It was like his whole brainchild. Like he, it took him five years to write that record, basically, like from 2016 to the pandemic. And uh, I feel like, you know, he credits that as like one of his like greatest like musical pieces that he's done. Because aside from a couple like things that him and his brother came up with together, um, his brother's Taylor Young. He's a great engineer uh, in the Los Angeles Valley area, but he also uh, was a drummer for the band Nails. Um, so he's, you know, very well respected in the metal scene. But I've heard uh, it, Taylor, Taylor Young. I just had uh, Chris Garza from Suicide Silence on the show a few weeks ago, and he had said that they. Had yeah, he just uh, in, engineered and helped produce their their newest stuff, and uh, I know he was really stoked to to help out with that. And um, but yeah, they they did a couple things together, but I, I would say like you know ninety nine percent of God's Hate self title was just Colin all on his own. And, you know, then we just write the lyrics together and try to put out the best product. But uh, he he blew me away with, like, some of it. Cause it and, and it's funny because when he would be showing me, like, demos of some of it, he's like, I, it doesn't make sense, like, in this. But, like, once there's lyrics and everything else to it, it'll make sense. And it, mm -hmm. I remember specifically um, Be Harder was, like, the song that I was least, like, confident in. And then he's just like, the, he's like, the vocals make the song and i was just like i don't know man like it's not it's not catching me and then it's like then when we put the vocals to it, it's like okay i get it and then like when we put the record out like that was the song and it was like this is our like hate breed like anthem song and it's it was crazy that the the song that i had the least amount of confidence in is now maybe the band's biggest song it's funny how that works man <laughs> I can remember hearing Backcountry on the demos. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy and I were living together, uh, and he brought over the demos that day from writing, and, and, I, and I listened to it in my living room, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then like later, he's like, no, just trust me. And I was like, all right. And then I started listening to it more, and then lo and behold, becomes uh, our first like breakthrough song or whatever. But like, yeah, it sure. was, it's, it's very interesting that that happens sometimes like, you get that demo itis or something. The demos like just don't do it justice. But you gotta gotta have the vision beyond it, right? What if I can ask you a question? Yeah, of course. Uh, what was the what was like your guys's thought process going from what was it? Uh, waking the fall to help to the king was that or was it? Yeah, what we was went the next from waking record? went to city of evil. City of evil. Okay, mm -hmm. but that was like the big change in the band, right? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. That, that was, Shadows like saying, kind of saying more. And yeah. 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 Um, what was like your, where were you guys at creatively when you guys decided to kind of go more that route? Well, it's interesting cause, uh, we were in the hardcore and metalcore scene, but we never really felt like we fit in there. Um, we just, we had respect for it. We had other friends that were in it and stuff and it's just, and we liked the music. It's just not what we wanted to create. And it never really was. Mm -hmm. We just kind of, and we never felt that we were seriously making that music. Like, Sound of the Seventh had a little bit more uh, hardcore influences. 
and definitely some more hardcore punk influences, but Waking was more, in our minds, inspired by bands like Pantera and stuff. So it was, it was more in that vein of uh, heavier, but classic metal. And sure. it was just kind of our trend, as we were starting to go into our ultimate goal, was just to be a, a band that created whatever the fuck we wanted at that moment. You know, so City was just kind of our next evolution. It really was. It was just like, at the time, we were like, we we were done being uh, categorized over here, and this is the music that we love. We love Metallica. We love Guns N' Roses. We love uh, Pantera, Mr. Bungle, um, all these bands. Like, why not w- do the music that we love instead of trying to fit into this other scene? And I think that was kind of, I mean... I don't even know that that was necessarily a conscious effort. It was just kind of like, this is the music that's coming out of us right now. Let's go with it. And, uh, you know, I think, I think Matt was kind of done with the, with everything being screaming. He's got a great voice and we could really write some kick-ass melodies in my opinion, especially at the time. And well, over the years and he's got a great voice. So let's fucking go with it. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 it's funny. Cause it's like that, that like, that story is almost kind of like, you know, how God's hate went from mass murder to the newest record, but almost in reverse. Like we, our EP is very much more like Troy core, like more dumb, I guess. Like we just want to be fucking caveman, like almost like, <laughs> and there's a fucking great place for that in music too. That's I've, yeah. I've never, I've for the record, I've never wanted, we never wanted to get away from it. I never wanted to get away from it because of any other reason, but like, it's just not us. You guys go do it. <laughs> you know, what I mean, sure. it's like, like I fucking love it, but that's not us. But then, like on Mass Murder, you know, we got a little bit more technical, and like Leo had written some like straight up like Pantera like solos and like um, sure. you know little hooks and stuff like that. And there, you know, the song Mass Murder is very like very melodic and very like paced differently. And then with the self titled columns, it's like let's just go back to like trying to make literally the heaviest record and you know that's kind of what we didn't it, it it, it's, it's just it's, true it's a heavy fucking want. record even the production yeah. too like into the production i was listening to it, i was like fuck everything about this is like you could hear the intent like this is supposed to sound heavy this is heavy like i know and as we talked about before it's like i haven't heard any i haven't listened to anything like that in a very long time and it kind of made me feel like it made me feel fucking young again to be honest i was kind of like yeah. all right cool like do I need to go into a 24 hour fitness and like hit the gym real quick? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it, it's funny because it's like, since, you know, uh, you asked me to do the podcast, I put on waking the phone and I, that's all I've listened to for like two days. So oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it made, going it made back, make you feel young. You're it like good old Palmdale yeah. Lancaster days. The fucking desert <laughs> in baby. <laughs> but it, it, it's funny. Cause there was like, there's been a lot of like, you know, me and Colin have been on tour and it was like a midnight drive and like, we put that record on and we're just like screaming like every word to it. And it oh, you know, man. That's like a, that, man. That's cool. I really appreciate that. Yeah. That, that was like a, a record for me and a lot of my friends. It was like, it was, that was definitely like a gateway record for a lot of us going from, you know, metal into hardcore. Like that's how we kind of found. That's that funny. Music. That was, that was our gateway into the other direction. Yeah. Cause like for, from, from like you guys, I found out about like, you know, 18 visions and throw down and like all like the orange County hardcore. And then from that, I found, you know, terror and, and, and mad ball. And, you know, it, 
kind of opened up everything. That's awesome, man. I, I love hearing that because that's, you just mentioned a couple of my buddies that we toured with during that time, the Orange County bands like 18V and stuff. And I have such fond memories of the, of those tours and just those guys just being <laughs> behind the scenes. That is so funny. As you know, like you're on stage, you become a different persona, you're heavy music, everything, like that, whatever it is or whatever your alter ego is, Brody King out on stage, Johnny Christ, whatever yeah. it may be. And then backstage, you just, bunch of dudes living in a van talking shit about like the same stuff that like anybody any guy any group of guys is talking about right like it's just i mean that's that's kind of why i you know i i still i would say you know 10 percent of my friend group is actually in wrestling like most of my friends are still from like punk and hardcore music and like it's all i feel like that's what keeps me grounded and like keeps me more humble with it doesn't matter if I've like played at Madison Square Garden or if I, you know, headline in front of five thousand people. I know that it, once I like hit the group chat right after, one of my friends is gonna have some fucking dumb shit to say to me, which is gonna, you know, it's just gonna bring me right back that. down. To, I love that. It, it, but that's like, you know, I love that shit too. It's like all my friends, we just talk shit to each other, and it's like you know. Doesn't matter how successful you are, you're always gonna just be one of the boys. Yeah, I think everyone needs that too. Like in any walk of life, to be honest, it's just it's yeah. healthy. It's healthy, and it's it's because none of this shit matters. What really matters is your friends, your friendships, your families, the moments that you have, the moments that you can share, whatever that may mean to you. That's all we really have. Like all the other stuff, just have fun with it. Just have fun with whatever your fucking passion is. It's great that you have it. Don't take it too fucking seriously, all right? Like it's fun. Dude. Like, it's, like let's 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 have fun with this shit. This is cool. Be serious I have all, a whole, by all I, means. I have a by whole, all means, you got to yeah. pour something out. Fucking be serious in that moment. Don't get me wrong, but also let's let's be real here. We're all fucking human beings still doing the same shit. Like let's let's have fun with it. I got a few people that need to hear that exact quote from you. <laughs> but yeah, that's dude. Just don't take this shit serious. Like especially you know we're both living our respective dreams as far as like Absolutely. being a professional musician or being a professional wrestler. It's like when I, you know, when I get frustrated or a little bit jaded and stuff, it's like, dude, I fucking, I dress up in a costume and basically my underwear and I just go and play wrestle with my friends. It's like, <laughs> that is way fucking cooler than like the jobs that I've done to get there. Like, right. What were some of the jobs the, you had? That that begs the question. What were some of the jobs you had uh, uh, before? I mean, obviously, I mean, while you were was, while you were gigging around those years in between sixteen and twenty six, you know that decade. I gotta imagine it wasn't paying the bills. So, what kind of jobs did you have there? Well, it actually was paying the bills. I oh, was nice. very fortunate. Uh, I was a set lighting technician for the movie and movie industry. My dad did it. My grandfather did it. So I was a union worker for. 15 years but it was just hard work manual labor you know like picking shit up and putting it down and you know i got to do like cool movies and like see cool stuff but at the end of the day it was basically construction um but it's hard fucking work and you know for me to get to go to work once or twice a week and hang out with my friends and make good money doing it it's like i i you know that's what kind of keeps me humble and keeps me uh in love with wrestling Right. Well, yeah. Not only that, and then you got you had a wife and two kids, two beautiful kids and stuff. Like I'm sure it's, uh, you know, one more. You get to a point where you know that 
that complacency, you start to look around and go, the fuck do I have any complacency for? Like, like exactly. You get, you try, you know, in the moments we still, we're still human. We get frustrated over shit. Why is this happening this way? Blah, 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 blah. I've, I've had to learn to check myself a little bit more often these, these, uh, these last few years where I'm just, you know, kids humble you. You know, we're talking about friends, oh, yeah. you, but kids really fucking humble you. Like, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. all right, yeah. all right, we got to, <laughs> shit ain't, it's not the end of the world, all right? Let's just fucking get past this. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's not the end of the fucking world. But, um, yep. yeah, I bring all that up. To, uh, that's, that's fucking awesome, man. I mean, uh, when you said you were working on stage stuff, stage lighting, and you got to work on some pretty cool movies, what were, what were some of the, some of your more favorite movies you got to work on? Even, even though as you described, it was more construction at the time would you have any fun moments from doing from doing those sure yeah i mean i got to work on like the pirates of the caribbean movies and like there was like full scale like pirate boats like awesome. that was pretty awesome you know i got to do like angels and demons uh like those types of movies where they built like vatican square and like the trevi fountain and, like the right. forum these parking are, these lot are some fucking big movies you're naming here bro. oh yeah yeah i was i was very fortunate in that you know like I said, my dad and my grandfather both did it, so they were both well-respected within the industry. So I got to, you know, come in at kind of like a higher level, which was, you know, good and bad for a, a young 18 to 20-year-old, you know, shithead that hmm. didn't care. And, like, if you're making good money, you don't want to go to work every day. But, uh, you know, I, I finally wised up and kind of, like, started cracking down on, on myself. And uh, it was a good career, and it's still a great career. Um for a lot of people that I know still, you know, my dad still does it. He's, he's about to retire, hopefully. Uh, but wow. you know, the he's thought still, of, he's still doing that work. That's gotta be, wow. Yeah. It's, to him it, though, it's, man, that's, that's, that's impressive. He's just somebody that can't sit still. And it's like, I'm trying to get him to like, like pop, you don't have to do it anymore. Just chill with the grandkids. And he's just like, nah, nah, yeah, I, I gotta go to work. And you're like, yeah, he's just one of those guys. My dad's the but, same uh, way, but yeah, that's like, <laughs> Not not he he's not working as much with his hands, but uh, he's he's been he's been retired for years and still goes into work. I don't I don't fucking get it, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like man. Uh, I guess if you do what you love, you keep doing it. I, I don't fucking know. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, shit, man. Well, what were some of the some of the other um, shows that you remember going to as a kid? Like, what was you mentioned some punk rock that uh, uh, that got you before hard rock, or, or I'm sorry, hardcore. What were what were some of your your favorite bands growing up? Uh, so the bands that like started me off on like music was uh, like Bad Religion, AFI, nice. Pennywise, um, Black Flag. Like those were like the punk bands that kind of like pushed me along. And then like in junior high is kind of when you know, new metal was really kicking off. So bands like Slipknot and Mudvayne and all that stuff was like also cool. And like, so I, I was like this weird, like punk slash metal kid. And it's like, there wasn't, the internet wasn't really a thing. It, at least social media wasn't. So it was like, and especially out in, you know, Palmdale, Lancaster area, there wasn't like, you know, you're going to go to a punk show this day and a metal show this day. It's like, we had a lot of mixed builds or this like local bands where it was just like everyone kind of played everything. And, uh, you know, I would just go to hot topic and, and look at CDs and t-shirts and like stuff like that and try to find music that way. Fucking and, hot uh, topic. Shout out to hot topic for getting Brody King know, and some music, man. 
<laughs> I mean, like, especially especially at that time, like that Hot Topic was like, you know, an actual like alternative place. They didn't just right. sell fucking Nightmare Before Christmas merch. But uh, <laughs> you There's know, nothing wrong with Nightmare like, Before Christmas, but it's getting a little overkill. <laughs> sure, I mean, I watch the damn movie probably three hundred times a year because of my son. He fucking yeah. loves it. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, but, you know, still a great movie. I feel like seen it seen it enough. Yeah, I, I got you. <laughs> hot topic is definitely a shell of i feel like what we grew up on it you know I, I used to walk by and like there'd be death metal blasting out of there and you're just like what is this and there'd be a wall of cds and like it would have like the staff picks and stuff like that that was always like cool shit like i remember um you know one of the staff picks and one of the, the cds that i bought like when i was in junior high was a nile cd which is like you know at the time i bought it i listened i was like what the fuck is this like yeah just like crazy death metal and it's just like you know i didn't appreciate it until years later but you know the fact that that was a, a was an outlet <laughs> yeah was, was awesome yeah um and then like you know when i was in high school like that's when uh hot topic i don't i'm sure they probably carried an event sevenfold like early shirt but like they were starting to carry like throwdown shirts and like a trade shirts and stuff like that and it was like very weird it's like whoa, we can get the stuff here now. And like, they were starting to carry more like hardcore CDs and like stuff like that. And I had friends that would work there. So it was like, you know, when I got into high school, that's when um, I started high school 2001. I graduated 2005. So uh, Hate Breed Perseverance came out in 2001, I think, one or two. And that was the that was the record like um, that got me into that you know into hardcore music right. indirectly. I just thought they were a metal band at the time, so I would be at home watching MTV Two, which was like the actual channel that played like music oh, yeah. videos and stuff. And then they would have like the metal block where they would just play like all the hard music. And I remember uh, I will be heard was playing on. And it was just like kids pitting and stage diving and they're like in an industrial like warehouse. It's like this shit is cool. And so I went and bought the CD and then from there I found about you know, hardcore music and it that just kind of became my life. Dude, that's awesome. I I'm smiling from from ear to ear here while I listen to you talk about uh MTV two and the metal and the metal of the two, early two thousands getting played on there and obviously <laughs> Jamie Josta uh hosting Headbangers Ball. It was the first yep. time I got to meet him, and he's a great dude. You should, you guys are probably. Uh, have you crossed paths yet? No, we haven't. Like, it, it's actually kind of surprising that we haven't. But yeah, yeah, you will. We haven't I'm yet. Sure you will. I'm sure you will soon. But uh, he's he's a he's a great guy. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys will hit it off. Um, before I let you go here tonight, I know you got some uh, some stuff to do. You got to get back to uh, wrestling tomorrow at Rampage. You're going uh, back into the trios tournament. You guys are. Who was it again that I saw you? Oh, you're going against Dark Order, right? Hang on one second. Yeah, no worries, man. All right. All right, we're good. <laughs> Sorry, so, my headphones died. Oh, they died on you. Okay. So um, I just I was just asking, uh, got the Trios tournament tomorrow night on Rampage. Everything's, uh, you know, coming to a head here. We're getting ready for All Out in Chicago, September 4th. Um, you're going against uh, Dark Order. And now, I only saw two guys from Dark Order on when they when they were showing the graphic the other night. Uh, is there a mystery third man? Is that what I'm 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 to expect here? Yeah, I guess you know they can't really figure out who is going to be 
the uh, the other person. You know, they've been having uh, Hangman trying to to train them in in those making their team stronger. But you know, they also have guys like uh, Evil Uno and and Ten on their side. So you know, it could be any of the 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 three of them. So we're prepared for anything, though. You know, when we get in that ring, we are a unit. And uh, we are the three baddest motherfuckers in AEW. I can guarantee that. Man, yeah. I mean, that's hard to argue. That's for sure. I mean, but I, I, I got to imagine something's going to happen here with with you guys and Sting. I mean, he's got the, the the paint has changed. There's something going on with that eye. There's something going on here. And uh, the 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 corruption from Malachi Black is strong. That's all I'll say. Yeah. All right. You're gonna you're gonna hold that one tight to the vest. I get it. I get it. <laughs> You got, you got you guys figure out your shit. Well, I'll, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Uh, you guys will be heading into Chicago this whole next week, right? Uh, Dynamite will be there. Rampage will be there, and then of course, uh, All Out. Um, uh, w- w- you guys have been to Chicago a handful of times, I'm sure. At this point, um, yep. How do you find the uh, the wrestling audience there? Uh, second to none, honestly. I mean, there's I've a reason. Heard that. why That's we... the reason why I asked. I wouldn't ask that like all the time. You know, hey, you're going to so and so. You know, talk shit on that city. You know, but like, I've heard Chicago is is really known for for to be some good wrestling fans. I mean, just that 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 whole part of the country, like from like Chicago to Milwaukee to like Minneapolis, like like from like Wisconsin to Illinois, like mm. for some reason they just love wrestling and they just crave it and they go crazy for it and you know we're very appreciative and uh, and honestly you know obviously we keep going back like because of that you know this is the this is the third time i think we've been to chicago this year and it's right. like that's pretty big because you know a lot of places we only hit about once a year um and for me personally you know i got to be there uh when did I go? So I I debuted in January. I think we did the United Center once since then. And um, but this is like, you know, this is my first all out. So this is my first this is the biggest show of the year for us. Right. Um so that that's a that's a cool moment. And you know, I'm not sure what that entails yet, if we're still in the trios tournament or if we have a different match, but I'm sure whatever it is, you know. The fans can definitely uh, guarantee that the House of Black is going to turn some heads, and we're gonna we're gonna drop some jaws with like you know our gear and our entrance and our and our match and our work rate and like I, I truly believe that you know we are the best full product of, of AEW as far as like we have something for everyone, and we kind of we can kind of deliver on all all of it, right. I would I would agree. There's also I I'd be remiss not not to uh, mention Miro in this whole uh, uh, escapade you guys got going on with everybody or whatever you want to call it. Like we got Sting somewhat turning. You got Miro, you know, claiming he's coming after you, or or for a minute there it looked like he might join. Uh, Darby's looking Miro like he's Darby's looking God. like he's his 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 friends are, are thinning out more and more every day, and. Uh, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see what you guys bring for uh, Chicago at all out. I know that I know there's gonna be something there, man. I'm excited. It's gonna be really cool. I mean, you just saw the the title is now unified. We got uh, John Moxley. Congratulations! Just uh, became the title holder. 
Uh, we got the the f- a bunch of things were announced just last night on uh, Dan- Dynamite for the pay per view. A lot of exciting matches. Also, the trio uh, tournament will continue. Will be crowned there. What was it? What was your reaction when uh, Tony Khan announced that there was going to be a trios title? Um, I'm I'm not familiar with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, franchises having three title holders for a team. And uh, it seemed a little little weird for me at first, but like now that I'm seeing these matches, I'm like, six man tag matches in the AEW right now are fucking fire. Like they're just great, yep. entertaining matches. So I think it was really obviously Tony knows way more than I do. You guys know way more than I do. So what was what were your reactions to this uh, division being created? I mean, I am a former Ring of Honor six man tag team champion. Um, also, New Japan has a, a six-man tag team belt. So it's like the places that I've come from have always had kind of a, a faction-based thing where, you know, the six-man tag team titles is a, is a thing. So it, it was very exciting when AEW announced that because obviously I'm well-versed in that area. And I believe that, you know, like I said, that House of Black is second to none to anybody. And I think that we can hang with the best of the best, whether it be you know, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, or it'd be the United Empire, or Best Friends, it doesn't matter, we're just gonna run through them. Oh, I like how you didn't even mention the Dark Order that you have again against tomorrow night, you're just gonna look right I mean, past them. We've, we've look beat right them. past them, are you? We've beat them so many times at this point, it's like... <laughs> I love the, the cockiness, point? I fucking love it, yes. <laughs> well, I'll be watching tomorrow night, um, we'll be, uh, we'll stay in touch, man, I hope to get a follow-up with you next week, we're gonna be releasing this on Monday. Uh, there'll be dynamite going into Chicago and right before all out. If I could get you back on the phone, that would be fantastic. Uh, sure. Either way, man, let's stay in touch. It's awesome to talk to you, get to know you a little bit here, man. And uh, man, what a small world! Back to uh, you being in that Lancaster show. That's just <laughs> that that just blew my mind right there. I was like, how the fuck was this guy there? <laughs> <laughs> well, Very cool, man. Well, uh, you changed a, a young kid's life that night, you know. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Go enjoy the family. Go enjoy the new car. We'll stay in touch, brother. All right. Thank you, Johnny. All right. Have a good one. Later, brother. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks with Johnny. Thanks to Brody for being on the show. Thanks to you guys for being here with me each and every week as I get to have these awesome conversations. And, man, what a small world. Again, just that fact that uh, <laughs> Brody was there at that show in, La- in Lancaster, California, all those years ago. A very memorable show for me, uh, for whatever reason. And uh, it's, just, it's just very odd that things come back around that way. You know, 20 years later, I'm sitting here talking to a guy that I watch in All Elite Wrestling with my son. And uh, we're having a conversation about, you know, families and all that fun stuff and traveling and what it takes to be in a band and in a wrestling career. And lo and behold, uh, we were somewhat of an influence on him <laughs> at a young age. It's just, uh, you, you can't write that stuff as they say, but um, I mean, I'm sure you could, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, it is just fun uh, creating this and getting to know people, finding these small worlds and these interconnections uh, through them. So I want to uh, thank you guys one more time for being here with me and following all those wonderful things to uh, Drinks with Johnny. We will have a follow-up on Thursday for uh, Brody King as we get ready for All Elite Wrestling's All Out pay-per-view on September 4th. 
I will be watching that. It will be in Chicago, so I will be watching uh, via pay-per-view. Um, so, but if you have the ability to get out to Chicago, I highly recommend seeing one of these events. I went in Vegas just a couple months ago, and there's nothing like it, man. Wrestling in, in person is just so much fun. So uh, hope you guys uh, are enjoying these chats, and uh, I guess that's it for this week. Until next time, as always, cheers. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.